here with us this morning. If you'll take a minute, just greet someone around you.
thank God for our worship team. Yeah, that was great. So good morning. My name is Luke McLean. I'm the pastor of ministry development here at Crossroads, and it's exciting for my wife and my family to be here. So if you don't know who I am, my name is Luke, and I'm really glad to be here with you guys. Um, But I was just thinking this morning, a lot of us are coming in from different seasons of life. You know, some of us are finding ourselves at that mountaintop. Some of us are finding ourselves kind of in the valley, but no matter where we are at the end of the day, we all need Jesus. And so just as a reminder, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we got to keep that mission always at the forefront. You know, and so if you're brand new with us here today, we're so glad that you're here. And I would just ask that uh, you make one point today to, to stop at the Welcome Center in the foyer. And uh, we have something that we want to give you. We'd love to talk with you and get you connected and uh, even if you just pull uh, me aside or someone else aside and just say, hey, I'm new, I don't know what to do, and, you know, we just love to get you connected. But there's been a lot of stuff that's happened over the last couple of weeks. You know, we had VBS, and we had our July Jamboree, and so I just wanted to share a couple really uh, great things. If you would go ahead and also pass those friendship folders, I would really appreciate that as well. Um, but our mission uh, goal for VBS this year was to, you know, raise money for the Feed My Starving Children organization to bring meals to families in need, and so also benefiting uh, local uh, community centers as well. And the goal was far exceeded. In fact, they raised over $2,060 uh, during VBS, and I just think that's phenomenal for a bunch of kids to catch the, uh, the vision of that goal. And so because of that, 8,500 meals will be provided for families uh, for, through the organization Feed My Starving Children as well as our local uh, areas, which is really, really exciting. So that's, I think God deserves a hand for that. I think it's pretty cool. You know, and also with the July Jamboree, hopefully you had an opportunity to attend that. I know that it's exciting for me to see those events happen at churches because for a lot of people, that's where they make that decision maybe to check out a church because it's safe or, hey, they, they, they're meeting me where I'm at. Um, and for maybe some of you, that was the point where you said, hey, I, I want to come to this church because of, of that type of an event. And so we just want to thank you to all the people who, you know, worked all week at VBS and jumped right into Friday and serving all day. And so just thank you so much for making that happen. And for those of you at our church, just attending and being a friendly face and just welcoming people. And, you know, maybe you, you know, sat down next to somebody eating a hot dog and you introduced yourself. I mean, that's playing your part, too. So just just really cool. Um, just a lot, of, a lot of announcements this morning. So uh, if you are in grades 7 through 12, Connect Students is going to start back up on August 9th. So August 9th, our students in 7th through 12th grade, Connect, are going to start up, so mark your calendars for that. And Rick Saccone has approached our church about participating in the Veterans Appreciation uh, Picnic, which is going to be right down the street at Trax Farm on August 19th. And so if you are, you know, one of those people who want to engage other people, whether you're greeting, serving food, there's all kinds of different opportunities to serve, would you please sign up in the foyer? That would be fantastic. Um, the day after that, on August 20th, is our all-church picnic, and we will be at Peters, Peterswood Park. And uh, so there's details uh, in an insert in your bulletin for more information on that, but we do look forward to seeing everybody there. 
And I know this is crazy, but we are already talking about Christmas. So there is a, a musical that's going to be happening here called A Perfect Christmas. And so there's going to be an interest meeting on August 27th. And so mark your calendars for that as well. But uh, this morning we're going to be continuing our series, our book tour through the book of Ephesians. And as Kenny and Rhonda and their family are out this week, we are privileged to have Chuck Green, one of our Bible teachers here at Crossroads, speaking this morning. So we'll pray for Kenny and his family. But at this point, I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive this morning's offering. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we are humbled to come before you. Uh, God, this is uh, a point that we take every week to gather as believers to come before you and to worship you, to, uh, to serve the children of this church, to engage new people. And God, it's an also a time where we uh, give back uh, of these treasures that you have so uh, graciously and generously give, uh, given us. So God, we give back to you now with humble hearts. And uh, God, we just are excited to see how you will choose to use uh, our money, our, these treasures that you give us, God, to further your kingdom. So we are grateful and thankful, and this is uh, just a small way we give back to you. We ask all these things in our precious Savior's name. Let's go. 
and worship freely in your name. I ask that you be with each and every person here, Lord. Open our hearts to the message we're about to receive. And um, I know there's someone in here who needs to hear this message today that is going to touch someone's heart. Lord, be with that person. Give them the confidence to reach out and say, hey, that's me. I need this help today. excited when uh, Pastor Ken asked me to uh, preach uh, in a continuation of a series. Many times I'm asked to uh, speak, but uh, I'm never in uh, in middle of a series uh, where there's foundation built uh, upon a sermon after sermon, and I was real excited to uh, be able to do that today. Um, Pastor Ken did a great job uh, in the first 14, uh, 14 verses of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians. Uh, he talked about our um, spiritual blessings uh, that we we'll receive in Christ. He talked about um, our being chosen, being redeemed, being adopted, and that we are given this great gift of the Holy Spirit as a down payment to our inheritance. And he 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 explained and, and expanded upon what those spiritual blessings are in Christ. But what happens is the Apostle Paul. He switches gears a little bit, and he moves from talking about the spiritual blessings in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. He he then begins to talk about spiritual wisdom, and that he knew, he knew that they were witnessing in a very difficult place, the Ephesians. Uh, As Pastor Ken talked about how they um, had a lot of false gods there, Diana, and Artemis, and how they had great temples there, and, and how really wicked the city was, and how they studied black magic and, 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 and the dark arts. And it, it was just a very challenging place for this new church uh, to, to minister as a body of believers. It was very difficult, and they faced much persecution. So Paul encourages them in the first 14 verses in chapter 1 about the spiritual blessings that they have. But he also wanted them to know about and grow in spiritual wisdom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the first, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 1.15, and we're going to study the verses and look at the verses through the rest of the chapter. And this is Paul speaking, and I'm going to read through, and I'm going to highlight a few words here and that he, he brings out, and we're going to talk about those things specifically. So starting in verse 15, he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. If you're taking notes today or if you make notes in your Bible, study that, underline that word, prayers because we're going to talk about Paul's prayer today. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You see a lot there. Wisdom, revelation, 
enlightenment, understanding. He wanted them to grow. He wanted them to understand something. He was praying that they would be enlightened, that they would receive spiritual wisdom. So if you want to underline that, and there was three things that he wanted them to understand, to know, to grow in, to be enlightened in. He says, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. We're going to talk about the hope of his calling. Underline that or write that down. Which are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We're going to talk about inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? I'm going to talk about his power, his hope, his inheritance, and his power. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and this is very important, important seated him at his right hand, Underline that. We're going to talk about what that means. He is seated at the right hand. Jesus, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. That's important. All things under his feet. He put his feet up. Remember that. We're going to talk about that. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Dear God, I just uh, thank you for your word. And I just pray that um, as we take a few moments in your word, that um, your kingdom would be expanded here today in numbers and in the character of the lives of believers, uh, being more like you. I just ask that you would be with me, that you would guide my words and my thoughts um, to be the message that you have for this particular body and this particular service today. Um, Each service is different. Each person is different. And I just ask that you would meet those needs, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for peace or hope or joy uh, or strength or wisdom, whatever it might be, I just pray that you would nourish your body here today with the word uh, and, and accomplish your will that you would be glorified. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's interesting, if, if we move to the next slide, what's the first thing the Apostle Paul did? Paul prayed for the believers at Ephesus. It was very common. If, if you read many of Paul's epistles, he starts them out many times. I heard of your faith. Someone told me of your faith. Someone, I saw your faith when I was there. Uh, these, all these letters to, the, to these churches, he always, he always starts out very similar. And one of the things he says is he says, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for, for that group of believers in that particular city. And because I'm thankful, I pray for them. I pray for them. And what I take from that Many times is many times when I was first a believer, my, my prayers were dominated and filled for my lost friends and family members. That's all I ever prayed for. And you know what? That's a good thing. I want you to continue to do that. 
Pray for those lost family members and friends. But there is, there, we have to make time in our prayer life. It's so essential and important that we pray for fellow believers. That's why we have things like Celebrate Recovery. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have ladies' Bible study and men's Bible study. We, we do, we, we meet and we study the Word, but it is my belief that the most important thing that we do in those small groups is we take prayer requests and we pray for each other. I think back to a passage in Luke when Jesus, right before he was crucified, between the Last Supper and the time he was crucified, he made a very interesting statement to uh, the apostle Peter. He said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan desires, some versions say demands, some versions say wants, to sift you. Peter, this is Jesus talking. Peter, Satan desires to sift you. And then, but Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Satan wanted to test Peter. He wanted to try Peter. He wanted to test his faith. And it's interesting, Jesus' prayer for Peter. His prayer was, it was, well, first of all, what it was not. It, it wasn't, oh, I, I'll pray for you, Peter, that you avoid the test, that you avoid the sifting that you will avoid the trial. That's not what Jesus prayed. If you look in Luke, he says, he prayed for a believer. He said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. He prayed that his faith would not fail. And there are many people who walk through those doors week after week, And they are being sifted. They are being tried. And we need, whether it's in a small group, whether it's in a Sunday school class, whether it's in a men's Bible study, whatever it is, we need to pray that their faith would not fail. And the Apostle Paul here is praying for, he knew, he knew that the church at Ephesus was in a hard place to do ministry a very hard place to do ministry. We talked about, Pastor Ken for weeks had told you how difficult that was of a place to do ministry, to spread the gospel, the persecution that they had. He knew, he knew it. And he's like, I am going to deliver, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm going to deliver a message to tell them about these incredible blessings of redemption, adoption, being chosen. They have the Spirit to encourage them but I'm also going to pray for them, to pray for them that they be enlightened, that they have an understanding, that they have wisdom, that they have knowledge about three things. And we as believers are to grow in our spiritual wisdom and knowledge. Um, We know the Bible is very clear on how we are saved. Romans 10.9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it. So if you've made that profession, you, you, you are saved. You are part of the body. You are part of the family. You have been adopted into the, into the family of God. But that's just the beginning. 
That's the beginning of eternal life. That's just the beginning of the abundant life. That's just where we start, like a, like a caterpillar entering a cocoon, and then it comes forth as a transformed butterfly. As it, en- as it exits the cocoon, that is where it starts. When we make that profession of faith, that is the beginning. And we are to grow in spiritual wisdom. It is a divine gift. And Paul's saying, I am praying for you. Church in Ephesus, you Ephesians, that you will grow in knowledge and wisdom and be enlightened in three things. These, there's three things that I want you to, to, to have a better understanding, a full grasp, a full understanding about three things. And the first one that we saw when we read in, in Ephesians um, was his hope. Do you remember that? He said, he says, I pray that you understand his hope. We have a hope that the world does not have. We, as the apostle Peter said in his, his letters, he said, we have a living hope. We do not serve a dead savior. Our savior came to this world, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins. And after the third day, he rose again. And where there is life, there is hope. He is alive today. And he is involved in our lives today. He cares about our lives today. And he is alive. And with life, there is hope. We have a risen, live Savior. I had a friend. Um, I, um, many people know that I do have a secular job. I'm a CPA. I'm an accountant. And I, at one time in my life, I worked at Federated Investors. And I had a very good friend there. His name was Jerry. And we worked together every day for two years. And he told me about a time when he was younger. He was an older teen. Um, he was involved in an industrial accident. He basically was working for a contractor. And he backed a ladder up into a power line. And he was electrocuted. Uh, very bad. He was in the burn unit for over a month. But what ended up happening was uh, the news people got there. And they went out on the radio and said, Jerry Jr. of X Construction Company was involved in an industrial accident and was killed on site. And his dad driving home from work, not knowing anything, heard that over the radio. And he wasn't killed. His, as you can imagine, at the death of hearing of the death of a son how your heart would just sink. So he did what everyone did back in the olden days. He stopped at a payphone uh, and had to put a quarter in it. I remember when it was a dime. I'm dating myself. Some people are nodding their head. Uh, we didn't have cell phones. And he called home and he said, what happened? As you can imagine, what happened to Jerry? And they said, first of all, Jerry's hurt badly, but they believe that with medical attention, he'll be okay, but he's alive. And you know what happened to his countenance? Completely changed because he thought his son was dead. 
but he's alive. Likewise, we do not serve a dead Savior. We have a living hope, as Peter called it. He is alive today, working in the lives and in the hearts of believers all over this world. And he is saying, the, uh, Paul is saying here is, I want you to understand you're different from the rest of the world. We have this living hope, this hope of the resurrection that they do not have. And I want you to be encouraged and really grasp what that is. And that, can, that, can, that hope can bring us out from the deepest parts of despair and discouragement. But the Apostle Paul says, I, I need you to be enlightened, have wisdom on another matter. He says, I want you to understand his inheritance. We have an inheritance in Christ, his inheritance. When I breathe my last breath, and my spirit leaves this body to be with Christ. I have a place in heaven. It's a reservation that can't be canceled, that can't be taken away. And it's a hope and an inheritance this world doesn't have. It, we have a home. This place is not our home. Heaven is our eventual home. I'm a big World War II. Well, actually, not just World War II, but I, I like war history. I study, you know, the battles of the Civil War and World War II and uh, Vietnam War. And one of my favorite war historical events was an event that happened during World War II. And this talks about home. This is a story about home. And I, I remember reading about it when I was in the 1970s, and it stuck with me. It was the story of a town in a battle called Dunkirk. And guess what? They just made a movie about it. It's in theaters right now. And as soon as I heard about it, I'm like, I have to go see that movie. Because I knew about the story since the 1970s, and it was amazing to me. And, and for those, and it's a story about getting home getting home, and heaven is our home. And it's this story about getting home. What had happened was the Germans, as they invaded at the early parts of the world, as they took over Belgium and France, there was 300,000 English soldiers in, 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 in that area. And they were, they were ill-equipped to fight against the German army at that time. <coughs> So what they did was they kept retreating. They kept falling back and falling back and falling back. And eventually they fell back to this one city town right on the ocean called Dunkirk. And what was interesting was on a clear day, they could see England. They would look when the mist wasn't there. And they're like, I can see it. I, I can see home. But they, they couldn't get there. Between the German U-boats sinking all the tro troop transports and the bombs, the, bo the German bombers blowing up the, the troop transports, they couldn't 
They didn't have enough boats. And even when they did fill the boat, it would either be bombed or torpedoed. And they could see home. And they they themselves on the beaches were getting bombed and strafed by airplanes. And they couldn't, they kept saying, I just, they were young men. They were 18, 19, 20, 21. They, They were holding on to this hope that they could get home. They kept saying, I just, as you can imagine, an 18-year-old in that situation saying, I, I, could, I could see my home. I, 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 I just want to get home. And for those who don't know history, what happened was the English government um, made a call out. Anyone own a boat in here? Any boat owners? Okay, we got one, two, we got three. So we got... We got a few boat owners. We, we've had, believe it or not, every single service, Saturday night, first service, we've had boat owners. So just in this body alone, we've had, we probably have 10 boat owners. And you could probably get 10 people on your boat in an emergency if you had to. So you could emergency transport, what, 100 people. So the English government basically said, if you have a boat, any boat, cross the English Channel. Go across. So hundreds and thousands of little boats, little boats, fishermen, pleasure boat guys, sailboat guys, yacht guys, uh, lobster guys, crab guys, anything that floated, they got and crossed the English Channel. And there's an interesting scene in the movie when, when all hope had been gone, all hope had failed, the officer in charge of the evacuation, who was completely discouraged, he looked, and through the mist came all these little boats. And it was interesting when um, they said, Sir, 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 what do you see? Because he saw all those little boats. And he said, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see, sir? And he said, I see home. That was his words. I see home. And when we are in difficult situation, when you feel like your life is being bombed and torpedoed, whatever it is, we have, we have a home. We have an inheritance that the world doesn't have. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. But we also have one other thing. And this is, the, this is the Apostle Paul saying, I want you to really understand this hope and this inheritance. But I also want you to understand his power. His power. And what he says is the same power that Jesus, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the spirit of the living God, that same power indwells you. It comes. The Spirit doesn't come and indwell you without His power. He brings His power with you. One of my favorite things to do is buy a car. Buy a brand new car. It must be a guy thing, but I love buying that new car. And once you pick it out and you have to go sign your life away, the paperwork, you know what they do? They clean it. They go wax it. They go vacuum it. They make sure it's nice and clean. And then after you sign your life away on that loan agreement, you walk out and you have this beautiful car, 
brand new car and you can what? Drive away. It has, it has power. It has a transmission. It has an engine. It has wheels. It has the power to move. I've never signed the paperwork, walked out, and then the car's sitting on blocks with no tires, no transmission, and no engine. It comes with the power when you buy it. Likewise, when you trust in Christ and you receive, and as Pastor Ken talked about last week, one of our spiritual blessings is we receive the spirit of the living God in us. That's one of the blessings. That's when he said we receive as a down payment or an earnest for our inheritance, the Holy Spirit. He's saying along with the spirit's presence indwelling you, you get this power from the spirit. Now, what does that power do? What does that strength do? There's a couple things in Scripture that the Spirit empowers you to do. In Luke, when Jesus was talking, he said, the Spirit is upon me. And one of the things that he mentioned was that it sets the captive free. When we receive the Spirit, we have the strength to be free. You say, Chuck, free from what? It can be anything. We can, we can be held captive to anger. We can be held captive to unforgiveness. We can be held captive to, to a destructive behavior, whether it be drugs or alcohol. We can be held captive to many, uh, uh, you know, you name it. We can be held captive to it. And when we receive the Spirit, we receive freedom and the power to be released from captivity. That is one of the strengths and powers of the Spirit. But when I think of the Spirit, that's a great thing to be, to be liberated and free and have the strength to be free. When I think of the Spirit, I think of Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1. After he died and rose again, he walked this earth for 40 days teaching about 500 of his disciples and, and his apostles before he ascended into heaven. And one of the things he said to them, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Spirit. And then you will receive the Spirit and the power to be witnesses for me. When we receive the Spirit, remember where the, when we receive the Spirit, we receive the power to be his witnesses. The strength doesn't come from us. If you say, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough to invite people the church. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of a soft-spoken per- person, and I, I don't know if I have the strength or the power to go and um, tell people about Christ and, and tell them what He has done in my life. I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I have that. You do. That's what Paul's saying. When the Spirit came, when the Holy Spirit indwelled you, you received that power to be witnesses for him. So the practical thing here is if the Lord is putting upon your heart to invite someone to a small group, to invite them to church, to invite them to a men or ladies Bible study, to, to share your faith with them, to talk to them about your story and how you came to Christ, then it is the Spirit's leading. And within you, not from your own strength, But then when you open your mouth, the Spirit will energize and empower you to be His witness. And I want you to be encouraged by that because I want you every time the Spirit leads you to invite, 
to say something, to give him glory, to invite someone to a small group. I want you to realize and know and grow in the knowledge of Christ that the power to be his witnesses, the power to tell other people comes from the Spirit. It is not your own strength. It is not something you have to do out of your own power and your own knowledge that he will give you exactly what you need. You just trust him and follow him and let him deal with the results. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I know, I know the challenges that you face at Ephesus. I've been to Ephesus. I've been to that city. I've seen those places. I, I, I know the persecution that you're undergoing. I know the challenges in that city. But I'm trying to encourage you by telling you, listen, you have in Christ, in Christ, you have these incredible blessings. You have been redeemed. You have been chosen you, you, you have been adopted into his family. And I'm praying, do you, do you understand this hope? We serve this living Savior. And this place, this city of Ephesus, this city of Finleyville, this city of Bethel Park, this is not your home. You might, this is where you get torpedoed. This is where you get bombed. This is where you get tested. This is where you, 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 you get sifted. But there's a place in your inheritance Do you know that? Do you understand that? You have a place. When you breathe that last breath, you will be at home with me. And while you're living here, the Holy Spirit, which I gave you as a down payment for your inheritance, who is living and alive in your heart, and you are walking by, and he is guiding, he is giving you the strength to be free from the things that holds the world captive, whether it be anger, whether it be addiction, but most importantly, he is giving you the strength to be witnesses for me in this dark and terrible place. Do you understand that? And the greatest thing, the most awesome thing about all these spiritual blessings that Pastor Ken talked about in chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and when he talked about... uh, spiritual wisdom in chapters 1 verses 15 to the end of the chapter that we're dealing with today the most awesome thing about all these things next slide is the work to receive them is all done it's all done god came up with a plan before you were even born before man even existed God came up with the plan to bring us back to himself before he even created us. And he left heaven and he came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again. And when he died on the cross, he said it was finished. It's done. All the work for these spiritual blessings, all the work to receive the wisdom, to receive the spirit, It's all done. That's why he said he seated him at the right hand. See, in the olden days, the priests, they used to, it's funny, uh, people say I I can't stand still. And as you can see, I I don't have anything up here. I I, I have to be moving. I can't talk and not move. It's impossible. And in the olden days, uh, before Christ died, 
the, they would sacrifice daily. The priests would always be busy. They would, be, they would have the daily sacrifice and the annual sacrifice and the special burnt offerings and sin offerings and, and all these different offerings, the grain offerings. So they were busy from morning to evening working at all these sacrifices. But when Jesus died, he said it was done. It is no coincidence when we read this passage of Scripture, it said, he sat down at the right hand, put his feet up, put his feet up. And that's what we saw. Made his enemies a footstool. One of my favorite things to do, people, all men do it. I love cutting, I like cutting grass. And I cut the grass and I I cut the weeds and I make the outside of the house look nice. I pull the weeds out of the mulch and, uh, you know, do all the edging around the trees and then I bag everything. And when it's, when all the work is done, you know what I do? I go on my patio and I sit down and I stare at it. My wife laughs at me all the time. She, she's like, oh, how long are you going to stare at it? I'm going to say, I'm going to stare at it for a while. Because all the work is done. It's done. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying it now. You know, I'm sitting there with my Mountain Dew or my Pepsi. I have my feet up on the fire pit. And I'm just sitting there enjoying all the work that has been completed. And Jesus did all the work. We just merely need to receive his free gift. It is not of works. It is the gift of God. Now, that is Ephesians chapter 2, so I'm not going to steal Pastor Ken's thunder. (laughs) But that is the natural progression of this letter. The work is done. You just need to receive it. You need to receive it. Let's bow our heads. As every head is bowed, I I have a question for you. Scripture says we're to examine ourselves. We're to examine ourselves. Uh, There is no one, I cannot look into your heart. It's, It's impossible. I cannot look into your heart. It's something that you have to do for yourself. And I want you to examine your heart and ask yourself, Has there been a time I've received the work of Christ and that I know for sure that I am in him? Has there been a time where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Has there been a time you did that? And I just want you to think back. When did I do that? Did I do that? I can't remember doing that. If you can't remember and you, you want to receive that finished work of Christ, I want you to pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud, but you do have to pray it to God. It would be between your heart and Him. Just pray, Dear God, I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. I have made many mistakes. And I'm asking you 
to forgive me, for your spirit to come live within me. And this day I declare Jesus as my Lord and that I believe in his resurrection, that I have a living hope. Now, according to Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. That settles it. That settles it. But that's just the beginning. And I do realize many people are, are, are believers here. Uh, they've made that profession. They remember that time where, where they asked Christ to come in, into their lives. I want you to search your heart. Has the Lord put it upon your heart? Someone, as this message was going forth, did the Lord put it upon your heart to talk to someone, a friend, a family member, invite them to a Bible study, small group, church, an event, whatever it is. If he put that upon your heart, I want you to do one thing. Uh, Scripture says we're to pray for opportunity. I want you to pray that you have an opportunity. You have the strength because the Spirit lives within you. But pray for an opportunity that that would happen. And when, the, when you see that opportunity happen that you're praying for right now, I want you to pray for that opportunity. When you see that door open, I want you to remember, remember that you have the power within you by the Spirit to go through with that, to walk through that door when it's open and invite them. Tell them about Christ. I believe also that there are, there are believers here that are being sifted, that their faith is being tried and tested. And I'm going to pray for you, um, whoever you are out there today, uh, that your faith would not fail, that you would come through that sifting process um, with a stronger faith than when you entered. And you might be discouraged. You might wish the sifting was done, but it continues. And I'm going to pray that your faith would not fail, but I'm going to pray that you remember the hope, the inheritance, and the strength that we have in Christ. That as Jesus said, with God, nothing is impossible. As it says in the Old Testament, there is no work too hard for God. That with Him all things are possible. And I want you to be encouraged by that living hope. And remember, this place is not your home. This is not the, this is not the final stop on the train. That one day you will be with Christ. And encourage yourself with that. Dear God, I just pray as, as people are praying to you as this is a house of prayer, uh, whether it be for salvation or encouragement or, or, or those that are lost. I just pray, uh, first of all, that uh, you would provide opportunities for those of the body who are praying uh, for opportunities for loved ones and family members and friends. I, I, I join in agreement with their prayers. I don't know the names, uh, but you do. And I just pray that every person who has prayed for an opportunity to share their faith, that you would open that door supernaturally, that you would give 
wisdom in, in our spiritual eyes to see that door open and the courage to walk through it knowing that you will energize us through the power of your spirit that we do not have to be afraid that we are not strong enough to be witnesses for you. And finally, Lord, I, I'm praying for those believers here who are being sifted, whose faith is being tested. They're being bombed and torpedoed metaphorically by life. And um, I just pray that you would give them that vision that this is not their home, that one day uh, they will be there with you. And um, that the suffering and trials and difficulties uh, that we experience uh, on this side, um, they're just temporary. They don't last forever. They're for a season, and that season will end, and we will be home. And I pray that you would encourage them with those words that we have a home with you. And I thank you for that. I thank you for our inheritance. I thank you for the hope, and I I thank you for the strength that you've given us to be witnesses for you, that you don't leave us powerless or, or forsaken or abandoned. And I give you praise, and I... And I pray for this body who, who will leave here today um, and that will go all over the city of Pittsburgh. I just pray that you would be with them, that your kingdom would be expanded numerically and in their lives, in their character, to be more like Christ. And that they would, um, and that ultimately, Lord, ultimately, in the end, you would be glorified. And I pay, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you please stand for the last song?